Father, we thank you today, God. We thank you for every hearing ear, Father God. Father, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come. Father God, we ask you to draw us by our hearts, Father God, into your loving arms today, Father God. Father, we, we want to live in, in the Father's house, a house of protection, a house of blessing. Father God, where there's always an abundance of everything that we need in the Father's house. We just thank you, Father God. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation break open this message, God, to realms of revelation and truth that we've never even been to before. In the mighty name of Jesus, fresh fire today upon our hearts. And Father, we pray for the trips, this trip coming this week, Father God, that it'll be a divine, um, more relationships with our hot church in Brazil that we will bind our hearts together God is one 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 accord one hunger one spirit in Jesus name amen today's message is called he came to his senses I'm reading from Luke 15 11 through 32 and Jesus basically is trying to focus people on how the Father is and what His heart is when He came to seek and save that which was lost. But I'm not only going to go in that direction too, but I'm going to go in the direction of the church and how many people um, don't live and, and, and they, they waste their inheritance and their blessings and the things that God has for them because they leave the Father's house. And there's many people that leave the Father's house, but they're in church every day, every week. See, this isn't the Father's house. The Father's house isn't a building. It isn't a church. It's in Christ. And he said certain men had two sons. So really the focus is on the, on the man. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that falleth to me and divide it unto them his living. So he's wanting his inheritance from his father before his father even died. He wanted to get his inheritance. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. So he got the blessing. He got all the things that in the, in the natural that his father had for him. And when in the country, then he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, then arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. I know too many Christians through media and that and me, uh, that are in want. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So if we're, if we're believers and we're following God and we should have no want but Him, because in Him we have everything, right? So, He began to be in want. And He spent all that He had, and He went and joined Himself to a citizen of the country. How many know that we're citizens of the kingdom of God? And when we get so entangled in the world, and we just want to get so connected to the world, when we want to be liked by the world, when we don't want to forsake all, want to become like the world... We begin to lose our heavenly blessing and inheritance, but we still say we're Christians because of what we believe. But just because you believe something, 
I want to believe the whole thing to get the benefits of what I believe because there's promises that I must believe too. And if I'm not inheriting the promises that God has, there must be a situation in my heart or in my life or in my flesh that is not happening the way God wants it. So, he joined himself to the world to be a citizen of the country. And he sent him into the... And then he sent him into the, the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. So he had a very wealthy father. And you know that God owns all the cattle and all the hills. He said that we don't go after horses and chariots. Our, our trust is in the Lord. Well, now he's left his father's house and now he's trusting in whatever scraps he can get, trying to do it on his own. But I don't even want us to really focus on the, the son, but really the father's love. Because if you don't see the father's love, you'll stay in the swine pen forever. Because the son, the whole time why he didn't come back fast enough is because he thought he was going to be ridiculed, punished, in trouble. But we know as the story goes on that that's not going to be the case with the Father's heart. And that's what the devil's out there in the swine pit always convincing you. But did God really say, trying to take your belief from you? See, when you're in unbelief, you're in the swine and you're in the pig because unbelief is sin as well. We have to believe that He is and He is a rewarder that those who diligently seek Him. And if we're diligently seeking and we can't do that in the with the pigs. And he would fain and have filled his belly with the husk of the swine and did eat. And no man gave unto him. Nobody was helping him either. Almost to be in the house of abundance and be under the curse, just like someone that never knew God. How many Christians do we know that are living like that? Is that the truth? That's why I'm speaking it. We don't, it's all about this one thing. But in verse 17, it says, when he came to himself, but I like more to say when he came to his senses, when he began to realize what he had done and what he's doing now. He said, how many of the hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish out here. He's saying, I was a son and even the people that worked for my dad and for me literally because I'm a co-heir of the inheritance, eat better than me. And I'm out here with nothing to eat, hungry, starving, in mega ministry, getting fed crumbs from uh, half-anointed preachers, getting fed fleshly messages, dying of starvation, a famine in the land, but I can be fed in the Father's house. So he came to his senses and he arose and he said unto him, Father, I have sinned. Arose, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. So he's speaking in his heart and his mind and he's saying this. He's rehearsing. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? He was just going to be happy to be a servant. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet away far off, his father saw him 
and he had compassion. He didn't have a stick. He wasn't ready to beat him. See, that's what the devil wants, to, wants you to think. He wasn't going to sit there and condemn him. He was living in condemnation in the pig pit. He was living in condemnation of wasting everything he had, going over in his head all the things he should have done, he could have done, and didn't do, and lived in that torment when all he had to do was repent. Repent. We have the gift of being able to repent daily in our lives right now. And it's not just a one-time thing because why are people living in that? God gives us free access to the throne of grace in time of need. And the throne of grace is the Father's feet. So he said to and his father, And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father's house. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He didn't beat him. He didn't kick him. He didn't tell him how stupid he was for what he did. He kissed him. And that's what God wants the, all the people lost in the world to know that God is, wants to take them into the, His house. But today I'm focusing on the prodigals in the house of God. He said, Son, He said unto His Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called a son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. See, his clothes were all torn, his shoes were worn out. And remember, God says in the promises and the blessing that our shoes, even the shoes, and the, when they left Egypt, their shoes never even worn out. But they were, firing, they were following the fire by night and the pillar of smoke by day. They were following the Holy Spirit. People think just because you go to church, you're following the Holy Spirit. It's not how that works. Following the Holy Spirit is obeying Him because He wants to bless you. And He said, In the, the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead. And now he is alive again. He was lost. And now he is found again. And they began to, to marry, to be merry. And his, so, what did the son do? Right there, think about it. He didn't just sit in sorrow and beat himself up in the pig pen and call that repentance. He turned all the way back around and went back to where he left. He went back to that place where he left the Father's house, the Father's presence, the, the peace, the joy, the righteousness in the Holy Ghost. He, and he went there humbly and change, is ready to do whatever he was supposed to do. I'm going to get into that because many people live in sorrow and all this and they call it repentance just because they're acknowledging what they did wrong, but they never, ever find, we never see the fruits of repentance. See, the world has sorrow too, but only godly sorrow draws men unto repentance. And he said this, And the elder son in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, and heard music and dancing, and called one of his servants, and asked, 
what are these things meant? What's going on here? He's saying, what's, what's going on? What's this party? Why, 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 why wasn't I invited? What's going on? What happened? And they all said unto him, Thy brothers come home. And thy father has killed the fatted calf because he has re received him safe and sound. That's awesome. And the big brother, though, he was angry and would not go in. Self-righteous. You know the legalistic ones. The ones that always want to look at your works instead of your heart. Those type of Christians that look for perfection in the flesh but don't even know that God's blessing you because of your heart. Therefore came his father out and entreated him and said, Answer him, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, and, and I've never transgressed. I've never fell off. I'm, I'm still waiting for my inheritance because I, all these things. He said, and yet, you're giving him the, the best calf we have? That I might make merry with my... You never did that. That I can have a party with my friends. But as soon as the sun was come, which he had devoured, thy living with the harlots that has killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It is with meat that I should make merry and be glad. Thy brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. See, when we begin to rejoice with those that are rejoicing, we begin to be happy when our brothers repent. So many Christians, even in the world, are wanting our brothers to fall, wanting because of jealousy and all these things. They have a spirit of, of religion on them. And all they're looking for is the outward appearance of man. But God is looking at the heart. And God's not looking at all your mistakes. He's looking, are you ready to repent? How many run out of the Father's house that we know all the time? We come back, we feel His presence on Sunday and all that. Then Monday comes along, we're back into the lie of the enemy prodigal, spending money and resources freely and recklessly, wasting extravagant things, excessive, self-indulgence, reckless, wanting. Bad habits goes on. Having given something to lavish skill, liberal, Bountiful, a person who spends money recklessly, striving. That was how many of us, though? Not talking about worldly money or the things of the world that he's using that as an example, as a parable. But how many have all the true riches from heaven? The anointing, the grace, the peace, the joy, and end up in condemnation in the in the in the pig pit because they're wasting their inheritance on the flesh. See, the pigs represent the flesh. Everywhere in the Bible, the Jews couldn't touch the pig. It says the Gentiles were like the pigs. When Jesus cast out the demons, he said, let us go into the pigs. Pigs is flesh. So when you start hanging out in the flesh and walking in the flesh, you start getting dirty. And that was what he was, what? 
all dirty because the pigs, they lay in the dirt, right? And they move around. And people don't understand that's how God sees it when we start walking in our flesh. I believe so many in the church today are wasting those, those precious things from heaven. Feasting on Jesus. Pigs always have been the sim- this symbol of the flesh. Pig was an animal, dirty. The Jews did not eat swine. My question is, who was they over the place? How many, even in this room, even listening right now, how many are you are wasting the precious anointings, the precious things, the true riches? Jesus said also, if you're not faithful in unrighteous mammon, if you're not faithful in the little in the look that He gives you in the natural, how can you be faithful in the true riches that come from heaven? Jesus also speaks in Revelation <coughs> chapter 2 as well. Let me read right now first before I... Well, no, I'm going to go to that and I'll come back to the other. Revelations chapter 2, 1 through 7. And to the angel of the church, these things say I hold the seven stars in the right hand. Who walks in the, the midst of the seven golden candles. The seven churches is the church. Seven is the number of completion. The candlesticks is the light. Jesus is the light of the world. He is and the candlestick means the church is alive with the light. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them which say they are apostles, which say they are Christians, which say they are Jews, which say they are followers of Christ, and are not, and has found them to be liars. So he's saying you got discernment, you got wisdom, you got the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But how has borne patience and for my sake and has labored and has not fainted? Nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. You have left the Father's house. You're, you're wasting your substance and, um, on yourself, on being selfish when God says we need to die to self. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and repent and do thy first works. And repent and come. The Father's waiting for you with a robe and sandals and a ring and a fatted calf. Or else I'll come in thee and remove thy candlestick out of thy place except thou repent. And be thou has that hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I hate also. And then he says, who that has ears to hear. See, a lot of people aren't hearing. Jesus is coming back very soon and people don't have ears of that He wants to make us a house of prayer, a house of sacrifice, because if not, we will be deceived just like Eve in the garden. God will say, did God really say? And if you don't know the word, you'll say, I don't know. Did He really say that? And you'll begin to follow divination and lies of the enemy and witchcraft. You need to know Him and the power of His resurrection working in us. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. You're not a man. And if anything's coming through a man today, just put anything that the Spirit's saying that by the truth, that's what we need to listen to. He that overcomes, I will let him eat of the tree of life. These are Christians he's talking about. It isn't just once saved, always saved. You have to be in the house of God. Eat the tree, overcome, I'll let him eat the tree of life, which is in the midst 
a paradise of God. And I believe that tree of life is Jesus. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you will have life in you. He said, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no life in you. And then he says that his, his flesh is the word of God. And then, then Paul says that Jesus is the living bread come from heaven. And then he, Paul says, not like the bread that your, your fathers ate in the wilderness and died, but this is the living bread. And he says that that is Jesus. So, and then he says that we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then we see God did drop that bread for them to eat, but he said don't even store it up. You need to be daily eating him. And you can't, we can't live on yesterday's bread. Remember Jesus says, give me my daily bread. He said, give me Jesus daily. That's what he was saying. He wasn't talking, he was basically making up, telling the disciples what to pray because he was going to be going. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-14 says, Wherefore let you thinketh you stand, lest you fall. Therefore had no temptation taken us that is not common to man, but God is faithful, who will not let us suffer to be tempted more than we are able. But when with, with temptation also make a way of escape. And I believe it's through repentance. That you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my, my beloved, flee from idolatry. See, this is the church. And we have to be filling our lamps with oil. Nevertheless, I said somewhat... No, okay, now I'm going to go to James 4. But look, like the, so the prodigal son, even being at the father, where he had and obey and to submit. He still had to listen to his father. And in the father's house, he was still... But he, it wasn't, he didn't realize what he had until he really lost it. See, I think a lot of people in the church and a lot of us don't realize how good it is when we're walking in peace, joy, and righteousness, and right standing with God until we end up in the pigs. But if we can keep that conscious thought in our mind, how horrible it is when we disobey God, how horrible it's going to be when we start to sin or do those things that we know that we're not supposed to, that we just say, I'm not going there anymore. And that's what God wants to make strong in you because we know the devil roams as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. And he said, so in humility, God will protect us. So in humility, we hide ourselves in Christ. It is the pride of the church, the pride of religion, and the pride of man that always gets the devil to take them out. James 4 says it like this. You see, if you, the flesh wars against it, but our spirit knows nothing more better than peace and joy. So your flesh is always going to fight against your spirit. Pa Paul said it's like, it's like the promise. It's like Ishmael and, and, and Isaac inside of you. The flesh, the work of the flesh. Did he say that to Abraham? What did Jesus say? Jesus said what? To, to Eve when he deceived her. Did God really say? What is he trying, what is he trying to say? Unbelief. You really believe that's what he said? And she's like, maybe he didn't. What did God tell you? What did he tell me? He's not going to say every morning you wake up, remember, I said this, I said this. You need to know his word, what he says, and you need to know what he said to you personally. Because he didn't go every single day and said, remind, it's up to us to remember what he said. See, that's what he did to Jesus the first time in the, in, when Jesus was led into the wilderness by God to be tempted. What did he do? Satan came to him after the fast, and it, it, it wasn't even the bread. He was trying to tempt him 
to, 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 to prove himself and do these things. And what did he say? Why did he say that? He, Jesus, got baptized in the Jordan with, by John's baptism. And then what happened? God spoke to him. This is my son whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus goes in there, weak, hasn't eaten, drinking 40 days. Then all of a sudden he comes out. And then what do we have? Satan comes to him. What did he say to him? Just like Satan did to Eve. He said, if you are the son of God, he had to remember God just said to him, you're my son. Because he was fully God and fully man in the flesh. The whole Godhead in, in his body. So he had to endure all things as we endured in the flesh. It said that Jesus Christ grew in stature and favor with God and with man. It said that he had to face every temptation in life. Like if he went to school, girls trying to flirt with him, like him, he had to keep on his course. He could not sin. So he had to face all the normal things that we did, and he did it in perfection because of the Holy Spirit working on him. So God says that we have that same grace and power that we can the only problem is that we've lived with this flesh for so long. Jesus was raised up with the Holy Spirit uh, since birth, trained the right way. So we got to forget those things that are behind and continue to press forward to the mark of the high calling. And then God is there to reward us, help us, bless us, and change our life and give us peace and security in our eternal life. Or we can have that living like we're wondering from day to day, am I saved today or not? Because that means you're doing something wrong and the devil's being able to condemn you because you're not in Christ. Because we're hidden in Christ. So Jesus said, hide yourself in the cleft of the rock. Psalm 91 is a, is a, is, is a shadow of Jesus. And it says, Just hide yourself under the wings of the Almighty, under his wings. See, Satan can't see us when we're in the spirit. He's silenced. Because he can't penetrate it. But when we get in the flesh or we begin to listen to our mind instead of the word of God, what God said, what prophets have told us that come from God and all those things, all we're doing is doing the same thing that he did. Come, we're talking ourselves to unbelief and unbelief is sin. And then all of a sudden we're in the, pig, the, the, in the mud playing with pigs, wondering how did I get so dirty? Oh, but I'm doing this in the house of God. I'm doing that in the house of God. I'm serving. I'm doing this. Why do I feel like this? Because it's all in your mind and you need to repent. So he says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come it not hence, even of your lust of your members? Yea, lust and have not. You kill and desire to have, and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, and you have not, because you ask not. If you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. See, when you ask things when you're in the flesh, you're not going to get it. When you ask the things in the Spirit, then God hears you, and He, and he does it. See, people want to keep asking and praying in sorrow, in, in their hurt and all that, and God can't hear them because the connection's all messed up. It's like this. I'm not saying God can't hear. God can do whatever He wants. But I'm saying He doesn't, he doesn't people that are groveling out, look at Esau. He, he, he said he, 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 he gave up his birthright because he said even though he did it, he sought it with prayer, and he was so upset that he let his brother deceive him, but, but he found no place of repentance. So how much more can we, if we are the house of prayer, we can speak to our Father because He's in us. So, 
And then he calls him adulteresses and adulteresses. Know you not that the friendship of the world is, is enmity with God? There it is what I'm saying. It's a separation. Yeah, God can hear you, but he doesn't choose to listen until you repent. And so we're crying out and all that, but until you repent, he's there. You can be right. One step. The king. That's what Jesus said. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This was right here. People go days and weeks just groveling and think that's repentance. It's not. There's, once there's faith, God is, does it. This is what we do. We have to do it. And He gives us the grace to be able to have the power to do it. But we believe that we're so unworthy. How long did it take the, the Son to finally... How long? It doesn't say, but He, he could have worked there months and months and months. And just taught, was like, I can't live like this anymore. But he could have left the first minute he got there. He could have started running home. It said the father was looking for him. He's like, the father sat every day looking for him. That was his, that's God's heart for us. He's sitting there. He's not ready to beat us up. He's not ready. He's sitting there looking for us to start turning back and running him. And then the Bible says, you draw near to God, he draws near to you. Or do you not believe him? Because he, that's what he doesn't like. When he's shown you his goodness, when he saved you, and you... Throw the grace away like yesterday's garbage. Those are the things that upset him. It isn't even really the thing that, have, that you did because you're already feeling bad about it. Just repent. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures say this in vain? The spirit dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud. See, it was pride that kept him there that long. He said, you know what? I'm just going to suck my pride up and go back to my dad's house. Whether he makes me a hired servant, whether he beats me, makes fun of me, it's better than this crap. We know the father. He didn't really know that his dad was going to be so, but we have the word to tell us. That's what God looks like and is. Why don't we believe it? That's what he doesn't like is unbelief. He didn't mention the sin or the... All the wasteful living to his son when he came home. He, he loved them. He blessed them. He, that's why we need the real gospel to be preached in the church so people repent and actually receive Amen. a clean heart and they feel free. Not just condemnation. You got pastors committing suicide? Give me a break. I mean, people say, well, is the power of God good enough or not? Only, you know, I, I'm not getting into that, but it's too much of a. a, a a heavy subject. So it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. <clears throat> draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Unbelief, I believe. When I don't believe. You can't. You got to believe. You got to believe, right? And mourn and weep and, and laughter. Be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. He will take you out of, the, out of the pig pen. Speak not evil of one another. That'll also get you in the pig pen. Brother, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, thou is not a doer of the law, but a judge. Now we're supposed to judge everything, but we don't judge people. Because when we start judging people, God starts judging us. You can judge the person's not a good person to hang out with and stay away from them. Yeah, you can judge that 
that doctrine is not coming out of mouth. This is from God. Yeah, you need to do that. You can judge. But when you start judging people to hell and condemn them, then God starts judging you for what you do. You need to love anyway. Even though you might not hang out with so-and-so, you still need to love them. Even though you're not called to be their best friend, you still need to love them, even from a distance or do whatever. But this is what God is saying. Judge all. He is spiritual, judges all things, but it's judged by no man. It's a spiritual judgment, but you can't judge when you're in the pig pen. And then those were what people in religious and self-righteous, because they're believing something by the letter, by the logos, but it's not in their heart and their spirit. So what are they doing? Condemnation's coming on them, but they're judging everyone else. They don't even see. They're just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There's one lawgiver and able to save and destroy. Who is that that judges another? Go now, yea, and that say, and tomorrow we will go into the certain city and there live and buy and sell and get gain. Where now? Not what we shall do tomorrow. For what is your life but a vapor? It appears for just a little time. He's saying this life is just this. Eternity never stops. If, he said, if you, want to con, if you want to measure this life to eternity, have you ever seen a vapor? It's gone in two seconds. It's not even, it's a vapor. It's like, it's gone. That's what he said this is. is. And we, see, we got our mind on this, this maybe 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. I just heard a guy just had a 110-year birthday. Congratulations. I, that would be, I've, I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, wow. Because I'm like ready to die in the next 20 years. And I'm like, Wow. 60 more years because I'm, well, I'm almost 50. No, almost. I'm, not, I'm like, wow, I could do a lot. That guy looked more healthier than some people that I see 80 and 75 years old. Anyway, imagine 60 more years right now, knowing what we know and doing what we can, no matter how old you are. 60 years is a long time. That guy was, at my age, lived 60 more years. I don't know, after 40 more, I don't know if I want to live after uh, 90, but... My gosh, can you imagine? That's a long time. And imagine if you're in your 20s, 110 years, 90 more years. Can you think about it? That's a long time. But to eternity, it's nothing. It's a vapor. He says, go there and say, he says, you got to live in tomorrow. And you can't just live for today. You can't live for that. You got to ask God to, to, to lead you. He said, for you, what you ought to say, if the Lord will. That's what I say. If the Lord will. Do I go on this vacation? Do I do, I do this? We, we're, we're supposed to be in the Father's house, in the house of prayer. He says, then if the Lord will. See, in the pig pen, you're living for yourself. You're, you're, you're spending all your, your inheritance, your money. You're not so. The Bible says, if you're not rich, so God. If you're not rich, Something about being, it's, it's sin. He says, store your treasures up in heaven. So if you're not out there trying to win souls and stuff, we're almost, it, you can get living in the pig pen because God wants us to live in the kingdom of God. That's our promise. And I'm not even talking about natural things. Since most people have the, most of the natural things, they want, but maybe they don't need. God wants to get rid of the want. Because you don't need, because if you have Him, then you have all you need. Rejoice in the boastings. And He says, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. How many people are living by God's will? Or are they living by what? You know, let me move to this city because the economy is better. And oh, the weather is better here. That isn't how we do it anymore when we in the Father's house. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not is sin. 
That's what sin is, when you know to do good and you don't. If you don't know, then it's still not sin. But if you read the Word of God, you know exactly what to do and not to do. So it's really like God tells you, you better read the Word. He's the living bread. So it's kind of like you get caught. So people just think, I am just don't read the Word and go there. But see, if He's telling you to read the Word and then you don't, you're still in sin because you know what to do because He told you to read the Word. So people say, well, if I don't read the Word, you know that it, uh, ignorance is bliss. And people say, oh, I don't know. But what you know is He told us all that we need to read this and eat it every day. That, most Christians know at least that, but most Christians aren't even doing that. They know three scriptures. Judge not. Then the other one, God so loved the world, He gave His Son. And then what's one, another, one other popular one? Oh, God shall all, uh, give me everything according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And they live on that. Oh, and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. They might have six or seven scriptures. Right? We need to be filled with the Word. Because the devil, if we are, he can't touch us. It's, all, it's not about religion. It's not about being a word machine. It's about what did Jesus do when, when the devil tried to come tempt him? The sword, of, he spoke the Word of God back to him. And he said that to us. He said that we, that we have the full armor of God, the blessed breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. We gird our loins with truth and we have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Uh, we shot, our feet are shod for the preparation of the gospel. So we need to preach the gospel, all of us. It's not, he didn't say just the fivefold ministers. And they said, and the sword, which is the word of God. So if you don't have a sword... You might have that, but you're like, boom, boom, boom. The devil's just hitting you. You got nothing to fight back. And you're sh I mean, you got the shield of faith. Well, it gets heavy. If that's all you're doing is blocking and you're not taking them out so you can have some peace. Nobody just goes in defense mode. We got to stay on the offense and cut the enemy's head off. Cut off Jezebel's head. Cut off the spirit of Ahab's head. Cut off uh, Python. Cut him in pieces. Cut off Leviathan. Cut his tail up in pieces. Cut all these things that the Bible tells us that get inside. And, and, and it says here, and, and true repentance is not an emotion or a feeling. It's not feeling remorseful or feeling sorrowful. Look at Esau. Though he sought it with tears and sorrow, it said he found no place. I'm almost done. There are two sorrows, a godly sorrow and a fleshly sorrow. It says it here in my last scripture. Everyone can stand up. Man, I've been preaching short messages lately. I don't know what's going on, guys. Get it to the point. Repent so we don't get deceived. What is it just basically? It's a change of mind and a direction. It's not just a change of mind. Because if you don't change your direction, you're never going to head back to the Father's house. It's a change of thinking and direction. So, for example, if you're an alcoholic and you know you're supposed to stop and you just don't do it for a few days and you feel so bad about it, you say, oh God, I hate this, I hate this. But... You got your liquor cabinet in the house and you don't go get rid of all the liquor. You're not really repenting because you're not changing your direction. Until you change your direction, you really can't stop the doing the things you want to do. Even though you might be upset about them, 
You don't understand what I'm trying to say? If, if, if you're doing crack, cocaine, and you really repent, you're going to smash all the paraphernalia and you're going to go seek God and find a church and be with people and get help to stop doing what you're doing. It's not just a belief something. It's a living of something that shows the fruit. You see what I'm saying? It's a change of direction. So all, all, all things become... It's, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, anyone in Christ is a new creation. And you cannot be a new creation without repenting. And all, all, all things become... Um, it says anyone in Christ is a new creation. All things, old things, all things. I used to. This used to be my favorite scripture. And all things become new. Old things pass away, pass away, and all things become new. Amen. Amen. So he says, "For though I made you sorry with a letter, so Paul's like he sent a letter. We we got the letter. One of them. What church was that? Corinthian, right?" They had godly sorrow, but he's trying to say, some of you are not even repenting, though. You're still fornicating, doing the things, because that was the church that had all the gods and started bringing in the idolatry and all the different things. So he's like, yeah, you didn't like my letter. He, you know, I wasn't, I, my letter wasn't a, um, one of those feel-good, you know, megachurch preacher on TV message. It was, you know, it was real. And, you know, then Paul says, and that's what happens with the preacher. Yeah, you know what? Lots of rejection. Maybe no one wants to hear because people aren't ready to repent. They want to be told you can still do what you want to do and still go to heaven. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says we must be in a relationship in the Father's house. Jesus died for us to have a relationship, not a religion. A relationship. And when we don't want a relationship, we lose our first love, which was Him. It's very simple, but it becomes hard when we forget the devil's talking to us more than the Holy Spirit. Then we send it, end up in the pit so long, we need to stop listening to the devil. He's a liar and the father of them. God wants us to learn when the devil's coming to know his strategies before he's coming and be aware and just speak the word back and cut his head off. But if we don't know what real repentance is, we'll never be able to do that. And he says with a letter, I do not repent. Paul's like, I'm not going to stop preaching the truth. I'm not going to send a letter. I'm not going to try to water down it. Make it sound better, you know. I said what I had to say because the Holy Spirit was inspiring me to say it. Though I did repent, for he said, I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistles have been made, made you sorry. Though it were but for a season. See, they got sorry, but they didn't stop doing what they were supposed to do. They got sorry, but they continued in the same mess. They, they, that church was sorry, but they kept continuing in the same direction. And God's there. He's like, I want to... This, a, a, this was one of the churches that were full with the Holy Spirit. The gifts. On oh, the beginning, they were like the most... They were like in the Holy Ghost all the time. And now Paul leaves and all these seducing spirits come in, all these other gods, and they start bringing doctrines in and all these things. And now he's like, he brings correction and rebuke. And now everybody doesn't, is not happy with Paul. He no longer gets an offering anymore from the Corinthian church. That you might receive, made, it says this, repentance says, okay. Perceive, made sorry, though, but it was for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. I'm not, I'm not here just to make you sorry. My job as a minister is to make, help you, show you, to make you repent. And if all you do is get sorry every time you hear a strong message, then that's your decision. See? 
We have people fill the altars and, and, and crusades and stuff, but I don't know how many really repent when they go home. You, just because you come to an altar and feel sorry about the message because God's piercing your heart and you know you're guilty of it, but you got to go home and burn the books. See, in the book Acts, they burn the books. They, all those, he said, in the books were worth so much money. They said this amount of money back then was like, oh my God, they're like millions of dollars worth of these books and they just had a big old corporate burning. And God wants us to remove some things out of our life and burn some things and let some things go and stop because He wants, He loves us and He wants us to be enjoyable. I'm speaking of myself. We get so used to doing the same old thing. We become religious and all of a sudden we don't realize, hey, where's that joy? Now I'm snapping. Where's Because we're in the flesh and we don't even realize, oh man, I don't pray as much anymore. I'm not really spending my morning with the Lord first. I'm just running out because you know, little by little, you end up getting in the flesh. It's not just a one day. That's what, and it's all, all of a sudden you're like, why am I in condemnation? It didn't just happen. It wasn't a big old commit adultery, do something. That, that would happen right a second. But little by little, we end up in our flesh, and we don't even know how to get back. It's through repentance. People ask me all the time, I don't know how to get back. Repent! It's, it's, it's. It's not godly sorrow. We, the devil is trying to tell us that when we acknowledge what we're doing wrong, we hate what we're, how we're feeling, that we repent. No, you've got to change your direction back to God in His house and rend your heart. And, and, and it comes in. We've all, we all do it. And you guys can have a chance today to repent. And if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's the consuming fire that burns out all the things that make us desire to do the things that we end up in the pig pen with, right? So he says, I am an all-consuming fire. So then Paul says, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrow to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. Here it is. For godly sorrow works repentance. To salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world. But God told me to put in place of that, the sorrow of the flesh works death. See, that's what happened to Esau. He was sorry, but he found no place to repent. And it's really brought clear into the new, to the new, to the new epistles. So Father, I want to ask you, Father, right now to show all of us in our hearts, in our mind, if there's anything that we've, we've started to do or take on that's gotten us out of our peace and joy, if there's anything that we're doing in our life that we know is wrong, or if there's anything that we know, if, if we don't know that it's wrong and we don't realize you told us something and we forgot and we're doing it anyway and we forgot to acknowledge you because we were so close to you, you know, the, the best time to fall away is when you get the closest to God. I've known in my own walk and heart that when I'm in the joy of the Lord and everything, by the afternoon the enemy's coming just to do something. And you're like, you think everything's perfect. And the flesh thing gets you so attracted more because you're so free and happy. Then the flesh is like, oh, you, you, you can do this or you want this. But then all of a sudden, because it's when you're sorrowful, you're like, ah, oh, I don't want that crap. I want God, but you don't really repent. So you can just get back in that other place. So God is, we're all working out our own salvation with fear and trauma. But God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, He's waiting, He's watching. He says, come. He says, all you that are thirsty and heavy laden, 
I will give you rest. See, there's rest in the Father's house. See, the servants were working and doing all that, and they were still taken care of, but there's, there's rest in Jesus. There's rest in the Father's house. It's a promise. And there's no striving in the kingdom of God. There's no striving in the, in the Father's house. Jesus is our Sabbath. So, Father, I pray that you show us our hearts right now, and even on through the week, God, and we begin to become a house of prayer that we, that we begin to pick up our cross every day and deny ourselves and receive what you died for us, that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that our testimony will stand sure and firm every single day of the week. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.